0: Mike, Mike, and Huffman. <laughs> We're back welcome once again to mike mike and cm punk your cm punk podcast for all things cm punk returning i am your co-host mike one punk this is co- do we have to talk about like something big happened my that's also mike also here co-host also mike i'm not prepared to talk about gothams so let's talk about cm
1: punk all right look it. i was gonna bring this up later in the episode at a point where <laughs> you know in our quote-unquote script it was like optimally timed. But you uh-huh. did watch the Gothams. I did watch the Gothams. Yeah. You had a screen yep. and screen because you're such I a did. super wrestling fan. But why is CM Punk returning? Why is this a big deal? Why? I mean look at please like keep this to like three and a half minutes <laughs> but can you tell Money. me?
0: Okay, <laughs> he's the all main right. reason. Yeah, no, I, I mean it is you know for for wrestling fans, and uh, we are going to talk about award season because that's why we're all here. But yeah, it was it's a big deal. He left the company ten years ago. Uh, a lot of people thought he would never return. A lot of things needed to happen for him to get to this point, mm-hmm. uh, including some embarrassing stuff, both on account of what he did and what was done to him in other companies and in other walks of life. But yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal on a Sunday, like seventy something million uh, people. Saw the clip online on WWE's social media accounts combined, and it was like the highest, uh, the highest-rated thing they've ever put out online. It was, it was crazy numbers. And what does
1: CM stand for?
0: Chick Magnet. His name is Chick Magnet Punk. <laughs> Punk. <laughs> like when he was like seventeen, he, uh, he, I think, or like eighteen, when he first got in the business, he <laughs> was in a, uh, a tag team called the Chick Magnets, and it just kind of stuck. This is a good, strong
1: American name. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> all right. So so it's a big deal to you. You're excited to see this.
0: This is one of your favorite wrestlers. This is this is a big guy. Yeah, is a big time, big uh in the pantheon of all things Mike One. This is a big deal.
1: It, yeah. All right. Is it is it on the level
0: of Glenn Close
1: winning uh, an Oscar, or is it close? Like, how do I gauge it's, this? I, I don't it's know up where. there, yeah. Okay. It's up
0: there. I uh, when he came, when his music hit on Sunday, uh, Saturday night at Survivor Series, I was like frozen. My hands were on top of my head, and I just kept saying "Holy s" over and over again to out loud to the TV with no one in the room. But if Glenn Close wins an
1: Oscar, especially if it's unexpected... I will
0: have the exact same reaction, yes. <laughs> okay,
1: so I'm trying to figure this out. But
0: uh, that's good, that's good Looking to know. forward to Sunset Boulevard, is what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: yeah, so am I. Anyway, we got the 33rd Gotham Awards. And I, I am curious what you think of the uh, broadcast overall. You and I have been two of the... Only pundits that have been reviewing this show in such detail every year. I'm proud of ourselves for that. But I'm also proud of the Gothams. They have grown. They have uh, gone on Variety's YouTube channel, which is a much bigger platform than their own little YouTube Mm -hmm. channel uh, in the past. And they had a seemingly bigger audience. Their clips have gone viral in the past. Today, I'm not so sure if anything went viral. Like The the, the De Niro story seems to be the biggest thing that's gained traction. However... It was a fun night. I didn't feel like there were any other major gaffes. I mean, that was a slight gaff, But what did you think of the broadcast overall?
0: I don't think that was a gaff. That should have been the entire broadcast for three hours. Mm -hmm. Just let Robert De Niro take down a bunch of different uh, (laughs) multi-conglomerate corporations. I would watch that. I don't know. Too many clips. A lot of clips. Too many clips, like way too many clips for me. And there were some fun speeches. I thought some of them went a little long nonetheless. I don't remember this being a whole three hours like it was last night in the past. I remember it being like two and a half, closer to two sometimes. I mean, it was fairly well just regimented, Like, but the clips sure. were long. Yeah. The long clips, clips
1: and the seams were long. And some of them were good. Like I, Some of the movies that I had not seemed, seen, I, I'm very intrigued to watch now. Uh, I liked some of the behind-the-scenes, talking head, yeah. you know, tribute clips. But some of
0: the others, I was just like, ah! Yeah. Yeah, I felt the same way. I felt the exact same way. Otherwise, it was, I mean, like you said, sometimes some of these things go viral. It doesn't seem to be the case this year unless you want to count the De Niro thing. It was just kind of standard award show fare, I felt, for the most part.
1: And it, and it feels like the first show of the season where there's there's a little awkwardness and yet... Mm-hmm. I always love the Gotham's for the fact that these speeches can go long. They can be, they can be off the cuff. They can be fun, and like the New Yorkers always like they write them out. Like Greta Gerwig wrote it out this year. Uh, her yeah. and Margot Robbie had a very cute presentation, I thought. And I think we'll get you know we'll get to a lot more highlights. So that was still there, but it almost feels like this award show is like in between, right? It, they used to have the indie charm where everything was, you know, mm. going nuts and, and it was really awkward. And then Sandler was really funny or whatever. And this year it feels like all the stars showed up. So people were minding more P's and Q's perhaps.
0: <laughs> well, this is kind of the, you felt like everything was more straight-laced. and That's kind of been my concern with the Golden Globes moving to CBS. Right. And if that's the case, then that has a tendency to make things less memorable. If people aren't going to be as off the cuff and as as, you know, loose. Maybe, maybe I don't know. It depend. The Golden Globes.
1: It really may depend on who's hosting that. Could, sure. If you get, <laughs> if you get a wild card, a true wild card host, that that. Yeah, but puts, that's.
0: I mean, see, like like they're not going to hire like Ricky Gervais. I don't know. Like. Maybe not. So, probably not. I don't think. So. I don't see CVS going for that. But if they hire Kevin
1: Costner, then we all know it's <laughs> it's changed. It's a changed Golden
0: Globes. You're going to be begging for the CM Punk podcast by Mike, Mike, and Oscar.
1: <laughs> anyway, all right, we'll have that to look forward to. And how the Golden Globes are going to do, but let's talk about the
0: Gotham's. Michael, it opened up with Best Screenplay. Yeah, I went to Justine Trier and Arthur Harari for Anatomy of a Fall. Justine Trier wasn't there. Arthur accepts for both of them, and it was kind of sweet. He took a few, um, few moments to say some things about Justine, and he said it's easier to talk about her basically positively is what he meant when she's not here. Uh, working with her has been hard but also joyful. Working with her prevents her to allow any mediocrity. She's aiming for something so true you cannot rely on the easy way. That was nice. And I love the fact that they are
1: domestic partners. They have a couple yeah. of kids together. They wrote Anatomy of a Fall together during the pandemic, which just adds. I mean, it's a husband and wife murder mystery where the husband mm-hmm. and wife are the main <laughs> suspects. So that adds a whole nother level of intrigue. and therefore, To their relationship. <laughs> to their relationship, to the movie to the open-endedness, essentially, to, to the, that the movie may have. I still want to debate that with you. I still want to do a film study of Anatomy mm-hmm. of a Fall. We may have to do a tr- at least a, a, an addendum, uh, mm-hmm. spoiler addendum, to discuss Got to come out movie. soon on PBO yeah. Day. So we're waiting for that, and we're going to cover that. But I have kind of weighed in on, on it twice in a non-spoiler fashion. I can't wait to bite into it. But I'm thrilled. Like This is one of my favorite screenplays of the year. I was a
0: big Good. fan of this. I'm happy to see it win. Good, good. Glad to hear that. Um, another issue I had, I understand why they did it, uh, the Gothams. Mm-hmm. It was to bring in the big names, and you know the big names aren't going to show up if they're not sure they're going to get something to come some of these smaller uh, award shows. Mm-hmm. So they had just a billion tributes. They had a billion tributes. I think yeah.
1: maybe one short of a billion, but Air was the first one. And, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean they didn't even get Affleck and Damon to show up, right. which was like no. a bummer. But Convery seemed to acquit himself well.
0: Yeah, he did he played to the crowd well. He made some jokes about Ben Affleck not being there. He made some jokes about at his own expense about apologizing for him not being Ben Affleck. Um talked about how there's a coupon under, under everyone's seat for the Ice Spice Dunkin' Donuts combo thing, <laughs> which was nice. Cool moment, but it was the first of, I think, what, five tributes on the night? Four tributes? Mm, I don't know. A bi- yeah. a, near a billion. Yeah, near a billion. We'll go with that. Uh, then Best International Feature came next. That also went to Anatomy of a Fall. And Anatomy of a Fall was two for two in its uh, categories to start the night. It was shaping up to be anatomy show very early on. Something hilarious happened. Arthur Harari came back out. The first time he accepted the first award of the night, he was all buttoned up and in full suit and Mm -hmm. very professional looking. Fifteen minutes later, he accepts the third award of the night, and the guy looks so disheveled. His jacket is gone. He's rambling about Bob Dylan, and he's got nothing else to say. It's like, what the hell was he doing in the green room for those 15 minutes? Well, apparently
1: not... uh... Having a second speech ready, but uh, I'm glad. Again, I'm, this is a big boost for Anatomy of a Fall. Arthur Harari is an excellent filmmaker in his own right. I do wish Justine Trier was there, but you know she she's been showcased in Cannes. Uh, I I do love the fact that the Bob Dylan speech was was later called back like a like an improv set, yeah. which got a big <laughs> laugh from the crowd. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it was an odd moment in the in the in the you know in the room it seemed, but. I don't know. It's
0: pretty. It is pretty funny when you think about it. Like they sent him to the green room, and he just had to like enter the octagon and fight for his life until he came back out. It seemed like it was the context, man. <laughs> very funny. When you texted me
1: about this, because I did not tune in yet. So here's right. here's what I did. Like a dope. I thought this show was coming on at nine, and I started mm-hmm. watching the latest episode of The Gilded Age. So I wasn't going <laughs> to stop watching The Gilded Age, and I didn't want to screen and screen. I was like, what the hell happened? I was mad at myself, or and I was mad at the Gotham's. And I was mad at the misinformation, mm-hmm. and I, I told myself I would come come back and rewatch it, which I did. But uh, and, and thank you to YouTube for having it on there and all that, and, and it's that's great. So, but uh, when you first told me about it, I thought Justine Trier was there with her domestic partner for Arthur Harari. And I thought they both came back after their first award, totally disheveled. Like they both had, (laughs) like it was a bit, like it was a bit like like they, Olivia Coleman, they had sex in the green room with her
0: husband there, you know? (laughs) No, it was just a guy fighting demons in the back for 15 minutes. No, he come back. He came back looking like Constantine. I agree. Yeah. He, he does look. He kind
1: of looks like the comic book character of Constantine. But that's that's funny. It's it's huge for Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall is one at the at Cannes, uh, a couple different uh, film festivals, Sydney, Brussels, and the Bend Film Festival. And it's two for two at the Gotham's, and it has five European film award nominations. Where it can have another early season triumph, I would say, and a, another big night. So Anatomy of a Fall is building much needed momentum because it did not do as well at the American box office only 3 million where it did like 14 million overseas so it's 17 million which is solid for neon but nothing to, nothing to go crazy for in, in terms of
0: stateside money uh, making. Yeah. Like we said, the Gothams all times every year mean everything and nothing all at once. And it's like people want to overreact to their to these awards sometimes. And that's fine. But also there is legitimacy to that because you get to these points and we're going to talk about it with past lives at the end of the show where if these movies didn't win these awards that's something that is held against them in later award shows it's it's a catch 22 because
1: five-person juries very small juries filled with big names right there's yeah. a, there's a couple of big names and former mm-hmm. winners in each one like Sean uh Heater of uh, Coda the director the writer director of Coda was a, a jury of one of these first two i forget which but you know she's involved and and you, you always get big names in the juries but it's just five people choosing the winner mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's a cross-section of any anybody, <laughs> yeah. anything,
0: any any academy. And that brings up some surprise winners, too, which will mm-hmm. or at least winners who won for things we didn't expect them to win for. That's right. Which, uh, which we'll get to. And one of the presenters next was Rebecca Hall. Everyone should run for their lives when she's in their presence. <laughs> uh, she was co-presenting the doc feature category, which also somehow felt proper, considering what the documentary feature category has brought us on the Oscar stage recently. But... Uh, <laughs> Four daughters. One documentary feature, Kothir Ben Hanla. I apologize if I mispronounced that. The director, writer, and documentarian of that uh, came up. She accepted. Uh, she said that the t- said some things about how this is a basically a slice of life for Tunisia, and it was the Tunisian representation for the Oscars uh, for the international film category as well. I
1: love how you get afraid of actors who act in a couple horror movies in a <laughs> row, like Resurrection <laughs> and The Night House, where she's not even the baddie. I know. I know. They're not fooling me. <laughs> But you know, there's something sinister about them. I see through them, her and Dowd, and Dowd. I, I would Pike. agree with you about Aunt Dowd. She's <laughs> she's truly sinister. But this is huge yes. for Four Daughters, the documentary, which is now won a Cannes, Munich, Chicago, Denver, Philly, uh, three Cinema Eye nominations. And we talked about the Oscars crossover for the Cinema Eye Awards. And look, the Gotham Best Documentary Feature winner has had a great crossover with the oscars 10 of out of the last 11 winners wow. have been nominated so four daughters if it's going to be eligible and there's talk because there's a lot of reenactments in four daughters mm-hmm. apparently i still have to see it uh, ifc uh, I'm, i can't wait till they put it out there or near us I, I almost went and saw it in new york city a couple of different times but i, I do want to see four daughters i'm looking forward to it and, and i wonder about the eligibility and documentary
0: feature yeah, no, that's that's going to be something to keep an eye on. It would seem like for as uh volatile as that category is, maybe that's now taking shape as the front runner, but it'll be it would be very documentary feature-esque to have the front runner not be eligible the, the end. The of front it. runner gets whacked in that yeah. cat.
1: In my in the parlance of uh of the Italian terms
0: which i don't
1: (laughs) they get whacked every year yeah
0: there you go um adam driver was out next he presented yet another tribute this was the icon of innovation tribute it went to michael mann and ferrari he told adam driver talked for like seven minutes yes he did about the and it was basically mostly about an anecdote about how michael mann just is crazy yeah (laughs) (laughs) left his car he left his wallet at a 7-eleven one day when they were meeting talking about ferrari and they've returned to try to go back to the seven eleven and Michael Mann jumped out of the car at a red light and crossed like seventy two lanes of traffic like frog running to the seven eleven by himself and <laughs> Just a weird anecdotal story that you don't really get at many award shows there that went on a little too long. But then he did the the typical Hollywood gush fest, uh, talking about how, you know, heartfelt and humanity means more to Michael Mann than anything else. After that, we did get a Ferrari video package. Michael Mann took the stage. had a quote in there during his speech that I like, where contradictions resolve only in movies. In life, they usually go with us eternally to the grave. I thought that was kind of cool. It it was kind of cool. And and Driver did land
1: a plane, and he did get a chuckle out of me. But the length of his speech caused me to go get a. Guinness. I was like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You got it, but somebody's got to edit him. Or, but fine. All right. He landed the plane.
0: I need to. I need to get you know
1: a Guinness, and then I was
0: surprised Guinness. for uh, you know as professional as Adam Driver is and a, a veteran of these award shows as he is, he would go on that long. <laughs> well, he feels like it's his. It's his crowd.
1: Yeah, this he is feels a stand-up like he up can, performance. He can. He can, he can cook. <laughs> He, he knows the Gothams have let him cook before they've let Noah Bomback cook before Greta Gerwig cook before he's worked with them both. And now he's ready to cook.
0: I just got in from LA and boy, are my arms tired. Yeah. <laughs> this is his spot. This is his chance. <laughs> Greta did. Lee and Teyana Taylor were out next. They presented outstanding performance in a new series that went to Ali Wong for beef. Uh, and we were inundated with more clips.
1: Lots of clips. Uh, I did like the last of us clip. I, I did like the beef clips, uh, Beef, I kind of hate watched. I truly did, but I I haven't watched it yet. It's something else that landed the plane. I'm glad I I watched Beef at the end of the day, Uh, and and yeah, it's it's quote. If you haven't watched Beef yet, I swear it's more than just me and Stephen crying. (laughs) That was a fun. Yeah, the
0: clips they used for both uh, in this category, where she and Stephen Stephen Yoon were nominated, were both clips of them tearing up in Beef. Yeah, it's good. So uh, it's it's a big win for Ali Wong
1: here. I think uh, she's been doing great work. Always be my maybe, uh, and then Beef uh, j- doing great work s- since uh, since her stand up career has kind of been transitioning into
0: the into the acting field. So I'm excited mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. her. Uh, after that, we had Coleman Domingo. He came out to talk about Bayard Rustin, the man. Then he, and what was a surprise to me, welcomed up White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, who gave a little speech of her own. She said Bayard was the architect behind the march and ultimately behind Great Change. Uh, really touching speech there. And she ultimately welcomed up George C. Wolf and the entire cast of Rustin for another tribute.
1: I love that Bayard Rustin was an offensive lineman. And then I really love that George <laughs> C. Wolf is like, and after he would tackle the other lineman
0: he didn't he knows
1: shit all <laughs> about football at all. About <laughs> all it's like the, the offensive and block there george they don't tackle anybody if he's th- too
0: busy directing great films he's, to be bothered learning the intricacies wh- of football
1: well he was pretty funny because he at one point he's like why why did the audience wh-, or, he's talking to the audience why did you applaud that don't applaud that and then he goes, he's like see i'm directing strangers sitting at tables eating food <laughs> that was that was good but uh, uh he, he did say quote thank you for honoring this film and in honoring me and in honoring us, you're honoring a great person in, in, in Baird Rustin. So that was uh, a nice speech by, by him and it was it's great to see all the cast and crews showing up for these movies. All these movies were well represented.
0: This is honestly. the tribute thing. This yeah. is the hook. This is why they do the tributes because you know, you're not going to bother showing up if you don't think you're going to have a chance to win but if you get your very own award, mm-hmm. then yeah, let's make a big deal. Let's have the photo op. Let's use this as a campaign to uh, go towards Oscars greatness. Yes. So Here's where you started to toggle back and
1: forth with the wrestling, yeah. and where I took over the note-taking, so I'll take over the driver's seat on this mm-hmm. now. But first, I do want to ask you, and it still applies, I do want to ask you if you got what you wanted out of Monday Night Raw and what was the CM Punk presence
0: enough for you? Was it fun? It was. He, he They held him off to the end of the show. He gave a, a little speech, and it was, it, it, you know, it's weird because he's come back within the last two years. He he came back after a seven-year absence from wrestling altogether to a different company two years ago. And that speech was full of fire, fury, and venom. Wow. And this was a much more reserved, you know, now that he's back in WWE, it's was this was a much more reserved speech, but the past company, a lot of things happened where it's probably better for him to be reserved and not so filled with vengeance and, you know, a feeling of injustice so this was maybe lighter than what more, many people wanted out of him but i think it's a good thing ultimately but we'll see where it goes but i'm just happy to have him back in my life could chick magnet become company man <laughs> is that the new well, you know somebody made that joke that oh. exact joke uh d- derivative not derivatively um condescendingly mm. because they were angry that he wasn't filled with uh you know all the anger piss and vinegar so to speak that uh he was too reserved and too towing the company line and blah blah blah. Oh, great. But minds. somebody made that exact joke. Oh. I think the C M doesn't stand for a chick, it stands for company man. Interesting. I yeah.
1: uh I, I I thought it was like his name, like Curtis Mayor. I don't know but uh
0: nope nope his name's phil brooks phil brooks
1: <laughs> cm punk not curtis mayor stage names anyway the bearded mm-hmm. guy who's gonna build grand central on the gilded age <laughs> aka morgan specter and nicole bahari uh I, I think she won for miss juneteenth a couple of years ago they present came out to present breakthrough series under 40 minutes and i didn't know billy billy
0: eilish was in swarm
1: yeah did you know she's,
0: that? uh yeah i did she's uh She's posted Dominique Fishback a bunch too on her stories and stuff. They're good friends from there.
1: Billy Eilish and Swarm may, may get me to finish watching Swarm, but that first episode was just, oh, it was painful. So it, it, we- it looked, it was good, but it was just really intense. And I want to, shit goes down, let me just say. <laughs> so Swarm looked like a heavy watch, but yeah, I mean, maybe I'll finish that, but I'm glad Beef won here and, uh, yeah and the, the fact that the, the director comes out I actually lived in New York when when the themes of beef started in my life and then he, and then everybody he goes on into everything and tries to make a joke about depression and everybody on the stage is looking so miserable <laughs> <laughs> So this is this is where I wanted to like get with you on the Gothams. like most of these speeches can boost you or like if you really do terrible you never know. You may never win an award that season again. Right. I don't know if that's the case because usually it's just like a positive thing if they go viral mm-hmm. and nobody sees it if they don't. But, like, this was an example of, oh, Jesus, don't thank your three dogs. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, good God. He's getting just his hurry reps. it up and he's getting get off the stage. He's learning. Yeah. But,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. And Bob Ogen- Odenkirk didn't know how to save it. That was a- another awkward bit when he comes on. I
0: did see that. Him and Steven Yeun were tra- he was trying to make a bit out of it. And Steven, I don't know if Stephen Yoon wasn't giving him anything or if someone was telling him to hurry up. But, yeah, Bob, Bob Odenkirk is not usually the one that comes off awkward, and he did here. Right. So Bob Odenkirk came off awkward. Stephen Yoon tried to
1: save it, couldn't do it. It was it was an awkward 10 minutes here because then they give Best New TV Series over 40 minutes to A Small Light. Uh, and the, the producer of that is talking about how the Frank family was hidden by... People in their early twenties, right? aunt Frank is about Anne yes. Frank's family, and and basically she's comparing these twenty-year-olds and <laughs> their capabilities to her own twenty-year-old son, and she's like, "My yes, son," if- and she's like, basically, my son's a loser.
0: <laughs> She was saying as if her son were to be responsible for having the Frank family come in and hiding them from never, the Nazis. Never. And she said, there's no way my son would be able to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, like we had
1: 10 minutes of just pure cringe. Like, I'm upside down on my, uh, on my couch. Just awkward. Let's throw shit at the yeah. wall, see if it sticks. Anyway, Brian Williams comes out, and then he is gushing... He is gushing over Maestro
0: in an embarrassing way. The rhetoric. My God. I love Brian Williams. I know he's had his... Uh, mistruths and that's why he got bumped to, to Basic Cable which really? was, he had some fun with uh, in his speech last night. He, I thought the landing was good. I suggest the, the, the cast of Maestro wear comfortable shoes throughout awards season because they'll be coming up making that walk to the stage to get awards like this quite often. That was cool but the rhetoric he was doing about like once you see Maestro you'll thank God that cameras were invented to <laughs> follow these actors around. Yes. Come on man. Yes, he was trying
1: to get, like, a narrating job for the next— Dune-type
0: like, behavior. Right. Like, once I lay these
1: hands upon thy— <laughs> it, it was it was thick. He was laying, on, laying it yeah. on thick, which was unfortunate. But I love Maestro. Bradley Cooper came on, said something nice. Lenny, you know, uh, Lenny's passion for music and for people as well, as his passion for teaching, has left in a double mark on New York— Uh, Mulligan came on. Uh, All of us actors standing here are better artists because of Lenny. And it was sweet to see uh, Leonard Bernstein's uh, two kids out there, their characters in the film. And it was sweet to see them out there and and getting the tribute. That's all
0: great. Why is Bradley Cooper auditioning to play the role of Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems with his look?
1: Uh, he looked pretty snazzy, I
0: would say. I mean, we <laughs> I've all, never we seen like... Bradley Cooper look close to what he looked look, like. Look, we
1: night. cannot pull off many looks, but Adam Sandler <laughs> Any... and Uncut Gems—that's a look I or you can pull off in the future. We could both do that. We could both get there. So we got to
0: we got to big up those types. Of, I was stunned uh, that was Bradley Cooper well, last night on that stage. That did not look like him. He's a man with good taste. That's what I say. Uh, sure. All right
1: radika jones producer on billions and andrew St- scott came out to present the bingham ray breakthrough director award to av rockwell of a thousand and one and this was when we when i talked about the gotham award nominations and predictions i had a a, a feeling a hankering that uh this tiana taylor uh, led film could You've win here and it's really yeah. cool to see av rockwell do that she she said. To, to Tiana Taylor, the, the, the way you led this film. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of us, the power of family. That's why I was fighting uh, for this movie when I wrote the script, and it was awesome to see. Like This is this is what the Gothams and what independent filmmaking award shows should, should celebrate, yes. movies like 1001, uh, which was something I loved out of Sundance, and this is great to see. And all five nominees in this category, or at least four of the movies that I saw, and I, I hear good things about Raven Jackson and all Rhodes, Taste of Saw, the other four of these movies are awesome so watch them good Glad to hear that. You're right. That's
0: what the Gotham should be. I agree.
1: And they did a nice job, you know, doing the scholarship award next, the presentation to a very well-spoken young man. I didn't uh, connect with his name. Amy Campbell of Showtime and Liddell Mitchell of the nominated committee came out. And then the Gotham's director, Kia Brooks, uh, talked about the Sidney Poitier initiative. So that was nice. Nice, snappy way to get into their uh, their 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 work on these fronts. Uh, before Shaylin Woodley and Jamie Bell came out to present one of the bigger awards on the night and one of the bigger stories, I would say, Mm -hmm. the outstanding supporting performance to Charles Melton of May-December beating some heavy hitters in this category, Michael.
0: Yeah, uh, he's been a film Twitter favorite for this category for a while. Mm. The headline to me was that he beat out Divine Joy Randolph, who everyone was, I, I mean, on Gold Derby, a lot of experts... Is is supposedly this lack for this nomination in the supporting actress category come Oscar Sunday? And I've had trouble wrapping my head around that. And now she can't even win the supporting category <laughs> for a northeastern movie mm-hmm. at a northeastern awards show. I've been saying for two weeks I don't buy that she's the clear, the full throated front runner and is a lock to be there. I mean, I hope she is. I think she should be. She's one of the best performances I've seen all year. But uh, this should be a red flag for those purposes not to take anything away from melton who i I think really established himself i
1: love this i love this so much because this is the 33rd gotham awards however this is the seventh time mmo has covered the gotham awards and Mm -hmm. we both say it they mean everything and nothing and five random actors picked this one michael I, i don't remember i probably should have wrote down more of the big names that were in the juries but this could have been five you know, act actors from all over the world, not New York. So they they pick their favorite performance. Fair the point. And it could have been it could have been three, three to two. To two. <laughs> yeah. Good. Fair point. Fair point. But uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, but you had heavy hitters in this category. You had Penelope Cruz, Ryan Gosling, who are high up on a lot of people's lists. You had Sandra Huller uh, and, of course, Javine, Divine Joy Randolph, uh, Juliette Binoche crying in a beautiful scene and then asking her for more food asking him for more food is just that is the taste of things by the woman after your own heart i love that movie i loved it i probably should have given it a much higher grade anyway uh really really happy for charles melton because it's a great performance i said it in my review and we may review this movie well we will review this movie uh soon whether it's in some in a, shape or form, yeah. Yeah, whether it's in a full episode or not. so. But this is big This is big for Melton. He does a nice job with that speech. I think he charmed everybody in the room. Uh, I just think of the 23 days we spent filming in Savannah, Georgia, Georgia. he said. It was the greatest experience of my career. I love you all. That's how he ended the speech. Really, really, you know, it was off the cuff. He seemed overwhelmed. He had the right stance on, on winning this thing, even though it wasn't like the Ki quan Kwan or the Uh, troy kotzer speech that kind of vaulted them into just unbeatable status
0: in both respects but he did acquit himself self well i thought you're getting a look into what it takes to make a smaller movie too because it was both that speech and there was another one on the night i can't remember where they said that you know we only had 25 days to shoot this thing in so if you want a smaller movie made with big name actors or big name people involved you get three weeks and that's about it
1: that's true and that's why these indie film award shows are important because they are up against a lot of the odds. Uh, They're up against it on on the clock and and on the calendar, et cetera, certainly in in the financial world of filmmaking. But, Mm -hmm. okay, Robert De Niro, Mr. Indie Film of the Tribeca Film Festival. He comes out and he hacks up a lung, first and foremost, like
0: right yeah. into the microphone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean he's not young. That's fine. <laughs> just literally, just gross. I mean, to be fair, so do we, but I just edit him out.
1: <laughs> right. You do. Uh, but he introduces Killer of the Flower Killers of the Flower Moon and Martin Scorsese's film for the for the tribute there. And then it felt like he was Ron Burgundy, uh Ron Burgundying the to teleprompter and screwing it up until he couldn't anymore. Uh, but yeah. then we learned something else.
0: He was being taken over by the feeling of vengeance that CM Punk had at the former company. <laughs> so he was trying to give his speech. Mm-hmm. I, I, do you think he was trying to play ball at first and then he was like, I just can't do this? Or do you think he was confused and didn't know they edited his speech at first?
1: I think he was confused. And they you think so? I, but, I couldn't tell. Figured
0: it out pretty quick. I couldn't tell if he was just trying to swallow his pride at first and he was like, no, I can't possibly do this. Or if he was like, he didn't know that they had cut him. But something happened where it turned out he revealed that Apple cut his speech because the first part of his speech, which has gone semi-viral. I mean, it hasn't been huge today or anything, but the first part of his speech was talking about, you know, truths and mistruths and misinformation. And it was basically taking all kinds of stabs at Donald Trump and his presidency, which Robert De Niro for years now has been a huge critic of Donald Trump and his presidency. This, This is no surprise. So why Apple would feel the need to edit that at a New York movie Hollywood film celebration of all things is beyond me I mean if it was a lesser-known actor maybe I could see it but uh, Robert De Niro couldn't stand for it. I did find it a bit ironic that he was reading his regular speech that Apple had edited condemning Apple for editing it off of his own iPhone so the way I interpreted what happened and and everybody
1: in the trades this morning has kind of said that De Niro blamed Apple, but nobody's admitting who edited the speech. Was it the Gotham's? Was it well, Apple's writers? not going to come out and say, yeah, but nobody's right. Right. Nobody's <laughs> admitting who did it. Maybe it was Apple. Maybe it wasn't. But Robert De Niro did, like, have the first two lines of his political part of that speech intact, and mm-hmm. then it seemed to, like, skip over it. And right. he that's when he started to stumble in the speech. Like if you don't have it memorized, what you're gonna say, then you, you get on a roll, you start reading, you you keep reading, but you he was noticeably shook in the moment and all over the place. And then he came out of the clip, the, the you know, the behind the scenes featurette on the killers of the flower moon, and he's like, No, I'm correcting the record straight. Yeah. I'm reading what you know what what I had written down and you know, he basically got up there and, and, and then he's like, yeah, maybe I should uh, maybe I should thank Apple. Maybe I should thank the producers and, and everybody involved here. But you blew it. <laughs> you had a chance to be a cop and you blew it. Uh, and and then he's like the Goodfellas F you pay me voice yeah. uh, while he's like, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, Apple Paramount. <laughs> but you edit my pe- speech. And He said, how dare you? He did. <laughs> he's like, maybe I shouldn't thank you. How dare you? No, in retrospect, you know, we're making Joaquin Phoenix jokes, you and I, in that moment, but we shouldn't have because we—well, we we thought he was. Yeah, we thought thought he he was having an old
0: man moment, right? But I mean, he was having a. You know, a <laughs> miscarriage of we're justice. We're bad moment. people. You, you and I are bad. We're, people. We're always but... terrible people. That's that's the lesson anyone needs to take away from anything we do. But is Robert, that we De Niro, are the worst. Robert
1: De Niro had the presence of mind to come back,
0: read it the right way. Yeah, no, and, good for him. And
1: then he he was aggravated. And you know what?
0: It was a it was a powerful speech. I mean, yes, it's heavily political and subjective, but it, I I you know, <laughs> for a certain type of audience, it landed. I was pumping my yeah, fist.
1: And it, and it fits and it fits with the the battle cry for this movie. I mean, Lily Gladstone came sure. out. And gave a a, a strong speech. Uh, uh, our Native American depiction historically has not been the greatest. So she thanked Martin Scorsese for accepting the invitation by the Osage people, and she thanked the Osage people for keep you know continuing to open their doors to Hollywood in this endeavor, and uh, for opening their hearts and for hosting them. And yeah, it was a really nice speech by Lily Gladstone, accepting on Killers of the Flower Moon. She uh, she wasn't done though, was she, Mike? Yeah, she came back out pretty quick uh, for this next award. Danielle Deadweiler and Willem Dafoe came on to present. I'm glad Danielle Deadweiler got her moment because she wasn't there for Till last year to accept her award on the mm-hmm. stage, which was a bummer. Uh, uh, the director, Chinonwe uh, Chukwu, accepted on her behalf and gave yes, a nice speech that. on Dan- mm-hmm. Danielle Deadweiler's behalf. But Willem Dafoe did you know, turn to her and and... and And give her some praise for that so that was cool and they presented lead performance to lily gladstone from the unknown country not even from killers of the flower moon which
0: was a surprise to me and a huge flex for Lily. so that's the jury being hollywood to (laughs) me right like it's going to be lily gladstone but we're not going to give it to the one she's most known for (laughs) so this is this is a fun
1: scenario here this is this is the, those five jury members saying Lily Gladstone is so good in Killers of the Flower yes. Moon that we want to award Lily <laughs> yes. Gladstone, or is yes. it them saying
0: that she's so good in The Unknown Country? I, I haven't seen well, The Unknown Country yet. It depends. Was Courtney Cox on the jury? Because if <laughs> Courtney Cox was on the jury, then yes, it's the latter. <laughs>
1: Uh, was Andrea Riseborough on the jury? <laughs> she which involved we don't know. in any way, shape, or form. Right? There's yeah. five people on that jury, five or six, maybe. But there's—I mean—there are performances from huge Oscar contenders in this. In this you category. cannot
0: leave this house until you vote for <laughs> Andrea Riseborough.
1: But we had Jeffrey Wright from American Fiction. We had Greta Lee from Past Lives. Anjanou Ellis Taylor of Origin. It's a uh, big win. Andrew Scott of All of Us Strangers. Kaylee Spaney of of Priscilla. You would have figured one of those quote-unquote Oscar contenders would have won this award for their Oscar-contending movie, but Lily Gladstone, a surefire Oscar contender, won from not their, not her movie that's contending. Are you runs. more
0: surprised by the supporting category or by the lead category? People were projecting Lily Gladstone was going to win,
1: and people were projecting Charles Melton was going to win, so I wasn't surprised in either case. I'm, and I'm not surprised at the Gotham's because again it's five people voting on it, so mm-hmm. it could go any which way. However, I am glad for Lily Gladstone here, and I do think sure. she acquitted herself well. And I think you know if people look at her speech and and look at the clip of her accepting here, it's going to go well for her. Like she yeah. should get more awards, and she's deserving. I mean, she her performance in Killers of the Flower Moon is excellent, one of the
0: standouts to me. So she, I could see She it. was talking. She gave some interview. I really got to start writing these things down when I come across them. She gave some interview that she was in the process of signing up for a data analytics course Mm. when she got an email notification on the bottom of her screen from Martin Scorsese directly saying that he wanted to talk to her about Killers of the Flower Moon. (laughs) Like This woman was about to leave acting because she had to support herself and doing something else, and she gets this role, and now she's probably going to win an Oscar.
1: And it's a powerful behind-the-scenes story because the director of The Unknown Country was... Was basically doing this passion project with her, driving across the country and, and filming uh, indigenous uh, communities with with uh, Lily Gladstone. And Lily Gladstone was great in Reservation Dogs, by the way, great. I love those episodes. Like it broke You're my high heart, that, that mended show, them together. Yeah. Really high on it. So she's been doing great work with Fancy Dance and Certain Women and everything I've ever seen her in. But yeah, it's dismaying that she might might have left acting and she, get, she got the break with Killers of the Flower Moon, which the director of The Unknown Country kept encouraging her uh, that 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 it could happen, which was just mm. beautiful to hear uh, on the stage at the Gotham. So again, we get these nuggets at the Gotham Awards with the lengthened speeches that are worth the price of admission, in my opinion. So yeah. that, it, it, this was big. This was big for Lily Gladstone. Sure. She, she absolutely can win. Not only can she get nominated at the Oscars. I mean, obviously a lot of things need to happen, but...
0: That she's a contender there's no doubt about it well another contender both on the oscar stage and on the uh, gotham stage at least for purposes of a tribute was barbie uh mm-hmm. and laura Dern was there to present the tribute to barbie again mm-hmm. longer longer speech laura Dern's speeches at award shows
1: are not my favorite speeches at award <laughs> shows. i just want to say that now uh i love the the outfit this time, yep. last time she was dressed like a Muppet at the yeah. train station Oscars. <laughs> this time she was dressed cool. I mean, she had the leather jacket, she had the Barbie yeah. t shirt underneath. I loved it. Yeah. But the speech was long. Speech I, was I, don't, long. I don't know what she was saying. I'm yeah. just like a couple Guinnesses in at this point. <sighs> Downing Barbie's going to Barbie's going to win Best Picture. So this is cool. This is cool to think of. Barbie is being strategic here. They're getting the tribute. They they understood that the Gotham's went more indie, and they're okay mm-hmm. with that. But both the Gotham's and Barbie are like, yeah, we'll take the tribute here, totally.
0: And he you, you provides another uh, provides a platform for, again, big names attached to Barbie to show up and campaign. And, and Greta Gerwig. Want, yeah. Exactly. Who doesn't want to see Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, like, pal around for a couple minutes talking about how they force Ryan Gosling into a texting relationship with them? Give the best speech of the night, even yeah. though it was a little hokey at
1: times, a little corny at times. I don't care. Audience I felt like porn.
0: Greta was dragging Margot through some of the bit. Right it wasn't the greatest bit in the world so
1: but it was still like it was fine yeah i
0: mean but yeah drag all drag away i'll I'll watch those two do anything right it was fun
1: Uh, and i just rewatched barbie by the way too i just put it on like as a background movie i ended up getting locked in and watching the whole thing laughing my ass off that movie gets funnier with each watch i think it was my fourth watch so i'm sure that barbie's gonna win the golden globes comedy or musical category correct
0: michael well, yeah, of course, <laughs> nothing ever goes wrong on the Globe stage. I, It's going to be one of the only best picture movies that makes you feel good when you leave it. Mm. And yeah. I mean, you know, that was enough for Coda. That's been the way the best picture voting has gone yeah.
1: recently. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to continue or not. But we'll uh, anyway, Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore came on to present best feature, which wound up going to pass lives uh, I loved Celine Song's uh, closer here, even though I wish her delivery was better. So just slow down, Celine Song, on your next. Uh, here I am directing Celine Song. How, how dare. Di- I
0: was just going to say, oh, all but, the but, criticism we have so given fast. to everyone in this episode. No,
1: she went too <laughs> fast. Her best line was everybody on this stage is my Inyan, which was a gorgeous line yeah, that, was a good that line. she
0: breezed through. Like she stepped on her own line. It's the oh, best I'm line nervous. of the speech, best line of the night. I mean, if I got up there, you'd be lucky if I didn't actually actively piss my pants like Bradley Cooper and a Star is born. You know? right so
1: no, me too. i I couldn't do it either. I We okay. speak behind
0: masks in- <laughs> <laughs> Our- We are cowards. <laughs> we are cowards <laughs> and it's pseudonyms <laughs> or microphones. <laughs> but we know it, and that's what matters. Uh, Everything and nothing about the Gothams again like we both said boy past lives really needs to win this even though again it's a jury that's deciding it and ultimately it doesn't necessarily mean past lives was you know had its chances killed if it doesn't win this category but it did win and that is certainly a a mark a, a merit that it can wear going forward.
1: But this was a spread the love Gotham's here where past lives probably had a good enough night winning the biggest award to get momentum going forward. Anatomy of a Fall won two, went two for two. So that movie can have... Award show momentum going forward. May December now gets a boost. I think Charles Melton winning is enough to give Melton May December certainly gets a boost. Yeah, and and Killers of the Flower Moon and Lily Guides don't get a boost with the Unknown Country, and I think really any of those tribute movies do get a boost. Do in fact get a boost. So this this matters now. If a Thousand and One had swept all of its uh, all of its wins and went three for three, if the Zone of Interest swept, or if uh, you know, look at all of us strangers had the most nominations, four nominations, went 0 for 4. Did, how much does it hurt all of us strangers? I don't know, but I, I it could have helped all of us strangers to win one or to win anything, certainly to sweep. That didn't happen for, for movies like those, unfortunately.
0: It's interesting to see. again. I mean, we're not going to get Anatomy of a Fall versus Zone of Interest in the international feature category at the Oscars, but to just see them if you want to pick out movies to go head to head with tally for tally with to see how they did on the first award show of this season i mean anatomy of a fall has yeah. the lead right now and anatomy of a fall beat the zone of
1: interest they were one and two at, yep. at can you know with the yeah. grand prix and the palm d'Or. so the, uh, here again anatomy of a fall wins and yet a taste the taste of things is going to be up in international feature where the zone of interest can take charge perhaps we'll we'll, we'll have to wait Could and see be. yeah Alrighty, well, let's get into some more awards news. We've been tallying up the tributes, Michael. In IndieWire Honors, they kind of do a set of tributes. Greta Gerwig, Core Jefferson, the director of American Fiction, Lily Gladstone, and Chad Stahelski, the director of John Wick 4. Uh, they have four film awards at the IndieWire Honors, so I just wanted to mention those. And Greta Gerwig, her name be repeated as she will get Director
0: of the Year at the Palm Springs Film Festival. So I want to get a coffee with She just seems like somebody that is one of those people where if you have a conversation with her, you have to do 5% of the legwork and right. she will just carry a conversation it. and be so thoughtful and like empathetic I, I i'm projecting completely onto her i know nothing about her personally obviously but like she just seems like a really really cool person to talk to she does seem like a real cool person to talk
1: to and even though we're not an interview show i she would be one of those yeah uh, bucket, absolutely guests for sure i mean she's we've been huge fan of Greta Gerwig and I'm hoping she does well this award season. It sounds like it, but this matters for campaign purposes. These
0: Well, that's awards. that's kind of my point is why I bring it up. If The more you put a microphone in front of her, mm-hmm. I think the more good it's going to do Barbie overall. I yeah. mean, she's so she doesn't seem like the type that's going to campaign for herself more than the movie. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think it's going to do Barbie more good than it would her and director necessarily. Yeah, put a microphone in front of her at every chance
1: uh, they get they get WB. That's, that's mm-hmm. important. I agree. All right, uh, that's the awards section, or at least the the start of it, and uh Thanksgiving weekend box office is where we'll go next, but we'll get more into more awards talk there too, because we're awards podcast. All right. The you hunger think so anyway. Anyway, yeah, C M Punk came back. CM Punk
0: uh, did come back. <laughs> <laughs> the Hunger Games did win the Thanksgiving weekend box office. Uh it had a 42 million five day rake up to 155-ish million uh worldwide on a 100 million dollar budget. It's nice to see something break through that 100 million dollar mark. Napoleon came in second. Napoleon's done okay at the box office, especially for a film that's going to end up on what? Apple TV, right? It
1: overperformed uh, in terms of the projections. Now, did it overperform in terms of the budget? This Apple conversation is so weird to me because Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, they have these huge budgets where are they pandemic inflated? Are they just Apple inflated? But Napoleon seemed to really hit with younger audiences. Seventy five, seventy nine million worldwide is nothing to
0: sneeze at. It's going to do better than Killers of the Flower Moon, it seems. Talking about Apple is like talking about Netflix to the nth degree because Netflix, we were always for years like, man, their balance sheet has to be just fascinating to look out because they're incurring so much debt. They're just taking on money, taking on debt, taking on debt. And yet Apple can afford to do the same thing because the Apple revenue has got to just mm-hmm. be massive compared to, to any other studio because they obviously have, you know. Apple to right. rely on. Well, what did Bellany call
1: <laughs> Apple TV Plus? Just like a
0: marketing expense, a glorified marketing exactly, expense. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's what it's 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 Amazon Prime, except it wants to be a legitimate studio. Not to say Amazon isn't, but like Amazon doesn't really have its eyes fixated on theatrical and the movie industry and awards necessarily. Apple clearly does, as they already have. Well, listen,
1: I both loved and hated Napoleon to the point where uh, even the bad was good. And therefore, Mm -hmm.
0: I thought the movie was really entertaining for two
1: hours and 40 minutes. I thought
0: about it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I I almost, when I went to see Priscilla, I almost did Napoleon that day instead. Really? But I was like, "Eh, I'll I'll wait. I'll do that on Apple TV when it comes out.
1: But it it is going to come out at some point. But now it may be later because it's doing well in theaters, Mm -hmm. it it appears. Uh, Anyway, Wish
0: did not do so well, Michael. 31.6 million dollar five-day a 20 million dollar three-day rake domestically only 17 million internationally it's up to a 48.9 million dollar worldwide debut but that's on a 200 million dollar budget you saw this one mike it's gotten crushed i mean it's being called not only a box office flop but a critical failure as well people have been extensively taking it to task on film twitter that i've seen what were your thoughts so I did see a late-night screening of
1: this because I didn't want to go during the day by myself watch at a kid's movie. That would just... Coward. Yeah, that would, but that would be weird anyway. It would be
0: Elvis and Priscilla? Go yeah. ahead. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> wish... I have thoughts
0: about that movie. Yeah, you do yeah. have thoughts.
1: Anyway, Wish has gorgeous animation just like we thought and saw in the trailers. Incredible voice talent. I love the voices. I mean, uh, Ariana DeBose, Chris Pine do good work. And there are several good songs, like the songs are taking a lot of heat, but there are several legitimately good songs that are in my top 15 for best original song right now. Cool. However, Wish cannot overcome just a weak and boring story. And I think I think I am just overall, I am baffled that they would green light a movie and finance it 200 million dollars on such a bland and nonsensical script, especially for Disney. Yeah, Disney is usually, they usually have people who are not allowing movies like this to get, like, such a bland script to get greenlit like this. It makes no sense. And you could see, you could see in retrospect, you know, why they had to include all the jokes in the trailer. And those are the only jokes in the movie, which is, like, an egregious sin in my book.
0: Yeah. Like, you spoiled the and was, I mean, we liked the trailer too. The trailer looked intriguing, but you're right. saying that's ba- that's where all the movie's intrigue stopped.
1: And, and like you've been saying for a while with Disney, there are just no legitimate stakes in this story, and Ugh. you know, for this world to feel real. And and look, before everybody out there is saying it's a kids' movie, it's a cartoon. Look, The Little so Mermaid, right. yeah. Aladdin, those were fates worse than death right. by the end of that movie. Never mind. Death <laughs> being right. a stake, but eternal imprisonment and subjugation to giant genies and god, evil gods. I mean, in those movies, you, you could have been living a fate worse than death. And kids can handle that. They can handle that in the sure. 90s. They could still handle that today. And adults watching these kids' movies are quote-unquote animated movies. I mean, talk to Guillermo del Toro Disney. He would tell you that animation is cinema. You don't have to dumb it down for the kids. We yeah. can handle we can handle the serious stakes and that's a big problem right now in disney the stakes aren't there you've hit it on the head and ultimately like this movie has gorgeous production values like i said but disney's lost their edge and this is like a cc+ C+, and it's a very disappointing one at that
0: uh, well said by you well spoken disappointing to hear but Uh, I was reading today, Disney, uh, because Wish obviously was not tracking to do this type of business. This is going to be the first year Disney failed to have a $1 billion property at the theaters, uh, not counting the COVID years, obviously, but it's the first year they will fail to have a $1 billion movie since 2014. Wow! So a decade-long run coming to an end there this year for Disney. Disney Animation specifically has not had a string of great films in succession since Mm -hmm. Uh, pre-COVID. Ever since, there's either been a financial flop or a critical disappointment holding them back. They went into COVID with a run of Coco, Incredibles 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Toy Story 4, The Lion King, and Frozen 2, all back-to-back-to-back-to-back, starting in late 2017. Then Onward came out. That kind of kicked off the pandemic and theaters closing. And since the studio has churned out Soul, which was great, but had zero box office because of COVID, not Disney's fault. Riot and the Last Dragon, not a massive flop, but it was considered a box office letdown. Both Luca and Turning Red both went to Disney Plus, uh, mm-hmm. one of which people really didn't like in Luca. Lightyear, which was a massive flop financially, Strange World and Elemental, both of which suffered from marketing decisions, and despite what Disney now claims regarding secondary market and PVOD purchases, didn't do well financially while in theaters. Uh, Disney's saying they're going to make a profit on Elemental now, but it did not do well during its theatrical run, and now Wish, which is tracking poorly as well. Nine of the past ten releases from Disney Animation have had significant issues, whether brought on by COVID or not. Uh, the only real success they've had in terms of financial and critically uh, of the past 10 releases they've had it, is in mm. That's a string of bad run for the last four years
1: from Disney. I can't remember which of these films have been day and date or directly to Disney plus beyond what you've listed there, mm-hmm. but they, they were messing around with their release date windows for a while. They're, Probably is some market confusion or some audience confusion on where and when they can get these movies. And I think, you know, just like with Marvel, you know, if you if you string a few disappointing movies in a row. Yeah, that's that's going to be a problem. That being said like this movie is not necessarily the Pixar brand and Elemental came back a little bit with the Pixar brand and I wonder if that if that's because of Turning Red like everybody loved Turning Red on Dis- you know Disney Plus mm. hey there's still Pixar but Ryan the Last Dragon wasn't great and then Light, you know whatever what was the other Strange World was terrible yeah so Disney animation I don't know if people are looking at that brand and I don't know if parents are like hey i can watch it on disney plus two months from now why why are we yeah
0: i mean i I don't know it's a it's a it's a fair point but it's just you know disney animation studios has always been especially story driven like you said they've been great stories for kids and parents they've brought you in and it's just not been the case
1: lately i mean this is not a bad movie and there there is beautiful production values and music and and performances and animation and, and it's there so it's like it's not you're not going to be totally upset especially if you have lowered expectations if you go see wish in theaters but that's not what they wanted when they budgeted this movie at 200 million dollars Disney right. they wanted of a course. billion dollar temple Yep. they wanted a celebration of 100 years of Disney which mm-hmm. this movie is taking you know components of the Disney you know mythology and putting it all into one movie right which turns out to be this goofy nonsensical sorcerer battle but it's it's really a sorcerer versus like this <sighs> pork, this fucking shiny pork from the Star Wars movies, and those little goofy seagull things that can't fly. Remember those things? <laughs> but it's a star. No, it's a star. Fly? Yeah, remember those porks? Yes. But yes, this yes, is a pork right. star. Right. You're right. So it's no, a sorcerer no. versus a pork. Stupid. <laughs>
0: Naporg's the Porg's a cheat code. <laughs> Maybe having a, a better plot was Trolls Band together, I don't know. But it finished fourth in the box office this weekend. $146 million-ish uh, on a $90 million budget. That's still a high budget, but at least it's almost at 150 out the gate. Right. Thanksgiving, the slasher from Eli Roth did well. 15 million dollar budget; it's already up to 29 million worldwide. The Marvels finished in sixth. It continues to be kind of a relative disappointment, at least yeah. financially. Oh, we talked about not that. a relative.
1: That's yeah. bad.
0: We talked about Amon Valani's comments uh, regarding the Marvel's box office. Our one of our last ORC episodes. Definitely go check that out. Uh, finishing out the top ten, we had the holdovers at seven, Taylor Swift's Eras Tour movie at eight, and Five Nights at Freddy finished at number nine for the year. That's almost up to three hundred million dollars total for itself. Saltburn rounded out the top ten, and Mike, you also went to go out and see Saltburn in the theaters. I did see Saltburn, and and look, it's going to be another negative review from me,
1: unfortunately, because. Look, I have high expectations for Emerald Fennell after Promising Young Woman, which is a movie that sure. was in my top three that year, top five, or whatever. It was one of my favorite movies. Oscar winner. We both loved that. She, and she has such filmmaking prowess like to get us to care deeply for her characters and she does that again here like there are several sequences especially in college or especially when they just get to the mansion and you're you're seeing how the other half lives where like she's wielding these powers to get us care, caring about her characters with like maximum intensity like I want to know more about Barry Kyogen's character and I want to I really care for the other one uh the, the rich people in this movie uh but unfortunately for saltburn like she breaks several rules of screenwriting that you're always taught not to break now again this i'm some wannabe who i've read all the screenwriting books and i've you know i've gotten some education on it but i was always suspicious of these rules just like apparently she was right because she blatantly breaks these rules and i can't really discuss them without spoiling the film but Mm. Like she proves the rules correct, or she proves proves these principles correct in the case with Sawburn here, because at least in this instance, like this movie just becomes this vexing and the worst part of it, predictable finale. Like this movie is predictable. And I, I'm watching all these people talk about this movie like, oh, the
0: swerves of the third act. Yeah, uh, that's you all you've about? seen is people talking about how, you know, out of pocket it is and how it's unexpected and for better or worse. And I mean, it's been, the reviews have been polarizing. It's not like this has been a universally beloved movie by any means. But nonetheless, one of the hallmarks of it that I've seen has been how swervy it is. Deliberately melodramatic uh,
1: and and swervy are two <laughs> very different things in this instance. But it's, yeah, I... Like, the song at the end of the movie is a banger. I've been listening to it. It's a great song. Uh, Murder on the Dance Floor. I forget who sang it, but it's on my Spotify now. But no song or no dance, if you're so inclined, uh, is going to save this movie. And I feel very uncool for saying so, because I do think there's like a devoted group of film Twitter saltburn admirers that... Are probably just more cool than me in, in general. That may There's elevate.
0: Voted group of film Twitter for everything.
1: Yeah, but the Saltburn <laughs> may become like a cult classic because, like, yeah, if you want naked dancing, if you want, if you want these production values, if you want the badass messaging of the movie, which it is. I, you know, I like the messaging of the film. Uh, I just, I don't think she executed the story, and, and I hate to say that because I'm such a fan of hers. Uh, so there's
0: like a C minus for me. It was a major wow. disappointment, Saupern. I'm not gonna say we need to stop putting Jacob Elordi in movies if you want them to be received better, but <laughs> yeah, I just think the track record's He was for the itself. best thing about the movie. Mm-hmm. He was That's great. That's not what I heard. <laughs> I heard Jacob Elordi's in this, and you gave it a C minus. <laughs> oh, Mike. Now, Jacob gonna... Elordi was in Priscilla as yeah. well, and I do not like that movie. Uh, I gave it a C. It's just, it's just Sex Crimes the movie. It's It's uh, an uncomfortable watch. It's a hurdle, but she's...
1: I gave it a positive review because I thought she addressed
0: the hurdle. Like, she's she's showing this to be grooming. Like, yeah. and, And it should be... Like, the movie wants to be about the resolve of Priscilla and her strength. And there certainly is that. But so many of these issues are Priscilla walks into a room timidly. Elvis walks up, approaches her, asks what's wrong... Priscilla tries to express herself and communicate to her partner what's going on, and then she's immediately manipulated. So really the only, like, blatant, like, grabbing back my power moment for me is at the very, very end. Except it's not a movie where she's positioned as the type of character that needs to build her power. It's just a very weird watch for me. Like, she's just... She's just kind of there. And for a movie that's called Priscilla, there's so much focus on Elvis. It is an empowerment story.
1: However, you want it to feel... Like like it was more of an anthem throughout. I want no, her she's to. She's getting yeah, I want her, her to have strength
0: throughout. all along, right? Or at least like show me that well, she needs kid. to build strength. She's yeah. a kid and she's which groomed. makes it gross, right? Which yeah. makes it gross. I mean, you're absolutely right. If that if she, if you put an actual ninth grader in that role where Kaylee Spanny's playing, oh I mean, God. make her have her bangs all you want, give her a dress all you want. She's still a twenty something year old. If you put a fourteen year old in that role, this movie is uncomfortable. It's gr- it's, it's unwatchable, disgusting, unwatchable. It's disgusting. It, it, She's twenty four. He's twenty six. Yeah, I mean it's I, I it, you know, and I was thinking about that the entire time. Like you can't not think about it. I don't see how this won't rub certain people in the academy the wrong way. Mm. And like, I, I totally understand why Elvis's daughter had an issue with this movie. But again, if it's you know, movies aren't historical documents. But if this is based on the book and it had Priscilla Presley's blessing, man, that's a that's a tough go. It's a tough way to look at Elvis. The late uh, Lisa Marie
1: and, and her mother apparently had differing views on things. And that's I, I think they're on different camps of the the rights on, on Elvis's uh, CV, by the way. Uh, I'm, I'm just gleaning that. I'm not positive, but it seems like there's some there was some friction there, unfortunately. So Priscilla wrote this book. Um, Elvis's ex-wife there and his daughter's in control of the estate, or was in control of the estate? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. That that's probably why this movie seems to be a bit disjointed in that regard. Like it needed Elvis's music, didn't it? I,
0: I did. I mean, the movie ends. This isn't giving anything away, but Dolly Parton's "I Will Always Love You" ends the movie. There are big, which is big which songs is hilarious because right. if you know anything about that song, the history of it. Dolly Parton, uh, the Colonel approached Dolly Parton about having Elvis cover that song, and mm-hmm. Dolly Parton said, "Sure." And when they were talking royalties, the colonel said, well, Elvis will get all the royalties. It'll be Elvis's song because everything Elvis makes is his. And Dolly Parton refused to give it to him. Hmm. So having that song is kind of like a double edged sword and kind of like a a middle finger to Elvis, which is what the movie ends on as well. It's very fitting and very proper and kind of like a, a, a nod and a wink if you know about the history of the song. But yeah, I mean, did it need Elvis's music? It needed something. I didn't like I mean, I felt gross about watching it for the first half. The second half, you get these weird tonal shifts between scenes where they're all over each other. And then, then cut to the next scene, nothing has happened. And he's just this manipulative dick, this hothead who can, you can never root for the entirety of the movie anyway. And again, you, you have this poor woman who's being treated as a victim who doesn't, I mean, she doesn't stand in her resolve until the very end. And it's not like she's building her, res- like it, it wants the movie wants Priscilla to be. One way Be perceived one way And she didn't come off to me In that one way Until the very end And I just had It was probably my least favorite Movie watching experience of the year To be honest I just was not a fan Of anything about Priscilla Kaylee Spranny gives a good performance But I felt like this movie And the context surrounding it Does her more of a disservice Than it does afford her The chance to show Priscilla's true strength In these moments it's a loaded
1: rant there. I would say that the end does justify the means. Sure, of course. Coppola. And in, in the reality of the situation, she is engulfed by this superstardom and by this crime committed, essentially, in yeah. the situation. And, you know, they, they, in reality, and, and she wrote a whole autobiography about it, in reality, that's probably closer to what happened then if you made more of a like an empowerment anthem story uh, i don't
0: yeah I, I mean i don't disagree but then my my counter would be well it's probably not something that not should be on on screen yeah, not a I movie. i mean that's you know yeah. like it's not cinematic it's tough to make that cinematic well it's cinematic and i like just... i like Sofia Coppola's st- like like lost in translation i really enjoy like she's she's so great i've said this before like her female pov is the strength of sofia coppola's movie making on the rocks same thing so like i was kind of surprised that like oh this isn't this isn't being handled well, I don't think. And again, it's my opinion, and I could be completely wrong, and you could disagree. And that's, I get it. I did disagree.
1: But, I, I did give the movie Priscilla a much higher grade. I mean, the production values are stupendous. The,
0: everything about this, yeah, the 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 accoutrement, <laughs> the makeup and hairstyling, the production, the the settings, the dress, the costumes, Oscars worthy.
1: We would absolutely,
0: say. absolutely. So I don't like my grade isn't reflective of what I think this will do on the Oscars scene, I would not be surprised. I think Makeup Inherit has to be nominated, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. So I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Anyway. I just I just did not like I did not like my movie watching experience. Anyway, you're saying you didn't like it and it should be it should be win Oscars. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Which is it's
0: uh it's uh it's uh I almost called it Deep Blue Sea. What was that movie? Deep uh oh God. <laughs> you're gonna know, know exactly one best picture. <laughs> the Shape of Water? <laughs> yes, yes, see I knew you'd get it. <laughs> the Shape of Water <laughs> Deep Blue Sea, The Shape of Water. I did not like Deep Blue Sea. It won Best Picture. Now, good we, God, we, I did not like Shape of Water. It Best Picture. Are
1: we still recording? I can't. I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> uh, must be over an hour. Well, we said this was gonna. We were gonna cut it short, and then we ended up just <laughs> riffing even longer. But we probably should cut it here. Maybe we'll we'll keep your Leo and. Our other reviews for the next episode? Well, I don't have a lot. Leo was good. (laughs) (laughs) Glad you liked Leo. (laughs) Yeah. Leo was a fun watch. Adam Sandler as a lizard. Yeah. Thumbs up. Gave it a B minus. It was it was fun. There you go. Well, if you made it this far, you're cool with how much
0: we are uh, raining on everybody's parades on film Twitter, I guess. But We usually do that. We're good yeah. for that. What always matters most to us, though, dear listener, are your thoughts. What did you think about the Gotham Awards? Did any of the surprises that we found surprising surprise you? Let us know that as well. How do you, how do you think they shape the Oscars picture going forward? And let us know any of your thoughts about anything else we talked about in this episode as well as the, as including, I should say. The movie reviews we gave you here at the end. You can leave those as well as any other comments, concerns, or comments, concerns. I gave three things: comments.
1: Yeah, you've been
0: struggling with this I've, outro. The for outro's like, been bad a, a month now. I, yeah. When you
1: go to Vegas, you I get, nailed it
0: on the last episode. Comments, you get back concerns.
1: Here, I, look, I, I probably should have been a good co-host and wrote it down for you. I, I didn't do it. <laughs>
0: If you have anything to say to us, you can there's, do it on our social media. There's only
1: 700 <laughs> episodes where I could fi- figure out and, and write it down and help yeah.
0: you out. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, <laughs> at mm and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you listen to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out a bunch. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, tell the good people what's coming next, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on well i think we're we're wondering about a few different types of
1: episodes Mm -hmm. we may do a dual oscars profile episode where we do you know two movies for the price of one never mind two reviews or four reviews for the price of one uh where we we discuss maybe american symphony and may december but we of course discuss both of those films at least in some way shape or form maybe we'll just Dive into American Symphony on its own. We gotta watch it. Uh, we gotta watch. Maybe we'll you finally do Raid the Center.
0: episode where one mic reviews one movie and the other mic reviews the other movie, and we do it at the same time and just talk over each other.
1: I think that would be uh, that would be <laughs> podca- a podcasting first. So we do. Do you want to set records here? Or do you want to chat on a
0: enter- turtle?
1: <laughs> do you want to be entertaining? I don't know which. Um, I want it all, Mike. We've. <laughs> We've left the try to be entertaining part behind. Before though, I mean, the end of this episode, we might have done, for example, yes, might have. We've, we've, yeah, for example, the end of this episode. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could say anything wise. Maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just go, Gotham's. I mean, I want this award show to keep growing, and keep getting better mm-hmm. and better. And I was glad to see progress. I was, I was glad to see all the stars in the room. I was glad to see. You know more viewership and yeah i mean i'm rooting for that award show i would like i would like for the gothams to keep getting bigger and bigger and and, and keep 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 what's what you're about gothams don't don't abandon that but i'm um, glad to see it i'm glad to see them do better cut down on the clips maybe maybe a little fewer you know a little less clips yeah clippage
0: yeah agree with that there mm-hmm. you go wise words indeed uh guys when reality sucks, you can come cut down on the clips with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya.